this is episode 672 of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast for Monday, August 26, 2019. I am your host, Marcus Nez, and today I'll be talking about some We Happy Few DLC, some Attack the Backlog plans, and a bit of random nonsense. But before I get to all that, D23 happened this weekend, and you're probably very excited about all that, aren't you? I am not all that excited. I, I didn't really pay attention to anything happening at D23. The only reason why I brought it up is because I did watch the trailer for The Mandalorian, and that looked very good. I was pleasantly surprised, to say the least, by The Mandalorian. And I guess there's some android or whatever in it that people are like, oh, look, it's it's this thing, CO3521 or some shit. And I was like, who's that? I don't know any of this stuff. But it looked good as a casual Star Wars fan, and I'm very excited for it now. And then they also showed, I mean, they showed a bunch of stuff, and they announced a bunch of crap. Black Panther 2 is happening. Oh, big surprise. And what other crap? There's like Marvel Land's happening, and this is happening, that's happening. But I also, the only other thing I watched was a trailer for some Christmas movie with Anna Kendricks and Bill Hader, where... I guess Santa finally passed away, and Bill Hader plays... They both play Santa's children. Bill Hader is supposed to inherit the role of Santa, you know, because he's the son of Santa. And he ends up going on a vacation, and he doesn't return. And Anna Kendrick has to go get her brother back. And it's, you know, a fish-out-of-water type of story. And it looked like it could be okay, except every time a... An animal showed up on screen in all its CG glory, if you want to call it that. And it was this weird roller coaster ride of emotions as I watched the trailer thinking, this looks like it could be good. Then an animal shows up. Oh my God, this looks fucking terrible. I don't want anything to do with this. This looks like trash. And so I don't know what to make of that, but I'll probably watch it. I guess because I am going to sign up for the Disney streaming service since it will be so cheap and I do want to watch The Mandalorian. And I, I, I'm interested in the, what's it called, the, the one with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think that could be a lot of fun as well. And I'm sure there are other things that will be worth watching, but yeah, I'm not super excited about anything that happened at D23 just because... I just didn't pay attention to any of it. But We Happy Few. So, uh, you probably remember We Happy Few. It is a game that had a lot of buzz going around it, and then it launched in early access and in the Xbox preview program, I think, over two years ago at this point. And people were pretty bummed out because the early access build didn't feature much narrative or anything. It just featured this kind of, like, uh... I don't know if it was, you'd say it's a roguelike-ish, but you just had your procedurally generated worlds, and you'd go in, and you'd try to survive like a survival game. And I remember playing that and thinking, you know, this this is all right. I kind of dig this, and I'm glad it's not too narrative-focused, because as far as I'm concerned, narrative-focused early access games are worthless. I do not want to play a narrative-focused game before it's finished, because I, I don't want to play part of a story and then have to 
wait months and months or years to finish the story or play a story in bits and pieces where I'll likely forget what's going on. I don't want to do that. So I'm always happy, or at least I, I'm just happy to play an early access game when it's not narrative focus. So I was fine with the We Happy Few uh, preview uh, version. And when it launched for real, I played it, but I didn't think it was all that great. All right. It just it didn't grab me. It was definitely different, not significantly different, I don't think. But I, I liked it enough, you know. You know, it was it was it was fine. Uh, I just didn't stick with it for whatever reason. I think part of it was just that it took a long time to get from early access to um, to a final build or whatever, uh, and that time was enough for me to say, "Yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm done." Uh, so I'll, I'll maybe check you out later at some point or something. So I ended up not really giving it much of a go or anything. And then uh, I got some codes for the DLC recently and returned to the game for the first time in whatever. I mean, I guess since it launched. So whenever that was, it feels like a year at least. And the DLC is good. I liked it. I, I like the Light Bear DLC more. So there are two bits of DLC. They came from Below, which released in April of this year. And Light Bear, which came out, I think, a few weeks ago. And the one weird thing about the DLC is that I don't know what purpose me talking about it really serves in that i don't think anyone's gonna hear that the dlc is all right and think you know what maybe i'll, I'll check out this we happy view game i'm gonna buy the whole game and play this dlc i know that on xbox it's part of the xbox game pass uh, i'm pretty sure it'd be weird if it wasn't since uh, microsoft acquired the studio behind we happy few what um two years ago and I think that the studio's name is Compulsion Games so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's part of that because they're a Microsoft studio now so you can play the main game for free and then purchase the DLC purchase the season pass but I, I don't I just it, it feels weird because I, I don't know who would benefit from hearing that the DLC is alright um, I'll also say that Looking at the achievements after completing both, I learned that uh, the uh, the DLC, both of them, have only been completed by 0.12% of We Happy Few players. And they don't uh, differentiate between DLC, people who've played DLC and people who've played, like, the whole thing or whatever. So it isn't, um, you know, it, it's... 0.12% of all We Happy Few players, not just people who have purchased the DLC. Uh, that's what I believe to be the case. It would be really bad if only 1.2% of players have finished the DLC. Not even finished, just played a bit of it, honestly, looking at the achievements.
but the DLC, so the, the first DLC that came out in April, they came from below, follows uh, an alien robot uprising to some extent, where you play as, and, and in both DLCs, you play as NPCs from the main game. In They Came From Below, you're playing as Roger Bacon. What a stupid name. I hate that name a whole bunch. Like, a, a lot, a lot. I really hate that name. It's a stupid name, and I can't get over how stupid that name is. But you play as Roger Bacon, who is one part of the gay couple in We Happy Few, uh, which is cool that there's a gay couple. Um, but you are some kind of researcher, I guess, and on your way home, you see a bunch of shit happening above your house, and you find out that Dr. Faraday did some shit, and she had a lab, and then you find out that there's a secret lab under the base, and there are a bunch of robots down there, and you eventually learn that she was bringing the robots in from another dimension or something, and forcing them to be her slave and to love her, and she wants to use them to farm because the people of We Happy Few are too lazy to farm for themselves. So she's going to enslave a bunch of robots to do the, the farming for everyone. And so you just go around shooting a bunch of robots, finding out more about the story and all that jazz, and it's okay. I was a little bit more annoyed by that one than Lightbearer because I found it to be annoyingly difficult at times when they just throw a bunch of robots at you and they would come at you from all directions and it would just be a pain in the ass because your gun, which you use to dispatch the robots, it works off a charge and it loses its charge pretty quickly until the very end of the game. And so it just, you'll end up, like you can, you can use a melee version of the gun which will recharge your gun at the same time as you're given the ability to attack the robots with it. But it doesn't seem to speed up the recharge all that much. And when you're attacking with the melee, it seems like it only registers a hit against one enemy. And therefore, all the other enemies who aren't being attacked and aren't having their animations canceled, they can still do damage to you. And therefore, it's just kind of useless. It's better off just running around and waiting for the gun to charge up by itself. So yeah, that... that that DLC was all right, and in the very end, you help or you stop Dr. Faraday, and and spoilers for all this stuff, but I don't think anyone listening really is going to end up playing this anyway. Uh, if you will, then I apologize for not telling you about the spoilers earlier. But when uh, you finish, the robots take her into custody and are going to put her on trial or something. And then you decide you want to go with her or you want to go to the, the robot area with them because you're a researcher. You want to learn more about these people and, and see what you can gain and all that jazz. And you have one final choice. Do you leave your partner behind or do you bring them with you? And I, of course, opted to convince them to come with me because why would I not want to bring the person I love with me? And then you get a first person kiss, which... Maybe the first ever gay male first-person kiss in gaming. I mean, there's probably plenty of those in indie games or something, but I thought it was, that was cool. It's like, oh, that's nice. Um, but that DLC is all right. And then Lightbearer, which is the newer DLC, which just came out a few weeks ago, you play a musician, Nick Lightbearer. That's not his real name. That's his stage name. He looks 
so much like Austin Powers, it's alarming. He just has a mustache, but he has the same kind of outfit. And it's it's kind of weird. But uh, you play as him, and he wakes up to find out that he is... Uh, he finds out that he's covered in blood. Like, he doesn't remember what happened last night. And he's covered in blood. He's trying to figure out what happened. And you, ha this happens to you multiple times. I think three times in total. So you wake up and then a new person is dead and you have to figure out what happened. And it's a little bit interesting. You, you go on these drug trips each day or, or two of the days. One makes you smaller, makes you a little version. And then another one puts you into like this psychedelic hallucination stuff and you are able to attack your fans and paparazzi by strumming a guitar at them with some of them you can convince them to work for you by serenading them but that one in particular i mean they're both pretty repetitive but i felt like the light bear one is more repetitive however i enjoyed it more because i didn't think it was too challenging ever which is nice uh, the, the, the thing that's pretty frustrating though about both DLC is that from a visual standpoint they're kind of boring because Lightbear takes place mostly in this hotel and the robot one they came from below takes place mostly in this underground lab area thing and and they came from below you start off in a town and you get to see how like the game looks really good and I, I like the aesthetic I like the style of it and everything but the, the stuff that you're doing in both these DLCs it gets a little old fast because you're retreading through the same areas and in like the robot one it's not exactly the same areas you're, you're retreading the same areas in the light bear one but in the robot one you're just going through very similar looking areas which is a little bit too uh, disappointing too disappointing <laughs> it's, it's disappointing but um they're both a little under two hours, probably about an hour and a half to an hour and 45 minutes. And they're, they're all right, you know? Um, I, I think they're fine standalone things, even though they involve characters from the main game. And it's kind of frustrating that they're not available standalone because I think they'd work well as standalone little bite-sized stories that could maybe get people interested in the world of... We happy few because you can play as these characters who are in the main game and then you know you might be like oh like if, if it convinces you to buy the main game or play the main game um you will run into these characters who you met in the dlc but that's not the case here you, you have to play the or you have to have the main game in order to play the dlc bitch which is frustrating but what you gonna do uh, the one thing that really sucks, though, that is made apparent in both things is that uh, the, the first-person platforming is not good. And you have to do that when you turn little in the Light Bear DLC, and I was not a fan of that. It's annoying. There's a bunch of, like, because you're on your drug trip or whatever, and it's not technically real, I guess, the ground is toxic, like when you're a little kid and you go to like when you play the game where it's like oh the, the, the ground is lava or whatever i think you convince yourself that that's actually the case but thankfully when you fall you respawn 
back where you were almost immediately, so that's nice. But yeah, they're 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 all right pieces of DLC. But I think they would have been better as, as standalone little side stories. And yeah, it's just weird because anyone who's interested in the DLC, I'm sure, already has it because if you're that interested in We Happy Few. There's no way you didn't already get the DLC. It'd be really weird if you didn't. But yeah. That's We Happy Few. Both They Came From Below and The Lightbearer. I, like I said, I prefer Lightbearer. I think they're both repetitive. But Lightbearer, I think, just is, is better overall. There's some interesting things in uh, They Came From Below. And I think the story is... Like, uh, there's, there's more potential in that story. I don't. I don't know if they fully are able to pull it off, or they don't quite achieve it. But Light Bear feels much more. It feels tighter, and has more interesting things going on in terms of the like psychedelic trips and stuff. There's a little bit more variety in it, though the combat is more repetitive than in. Um, the they came from below DLC, but I, while it's it's more repetitive in Lightbearer, it's not as annoying and frustrating. So there's that. But yeah, they're all right. Um, and then going to attack the backlog, I tweeted about this, but my plan going forward is to do mini episodes. So. Any game now that is under two hours, I am going to put on the side as a Attack the Backlog mini-episode. And these are episodes that will happen, that will come out in the off weeks of regular Attack the Backlog episodes. When I'm going to start posting these, I don't know, so don't expect it right away or anything, but... I'm going to do any game that's under two hours as mini-episodes. And if I was doing this from the beginning, there were five games so far that would have ended up being mini-episodes. Dear Esther, Rocket Knight, um, what else? Was Infamous? I think Infamous Second Son was over. What were the other ones? I don't remember, but I, I, I checked the games I played, and I think... um. What was it? The blind one. That one was just under two hours. Never Alone, I think, was just over. But I, I'm doing that because those episodes, while they could end up being the same length as a regular episode, a regular Attack the Backlog uh, episode, they do take less time because I don't have to spend as much time playing about them, uh, playing them and... It doesn't require as much effort to talk about them, I guess, because there's not as much to fall back on or, or to go on and on about. So that's the idea going forward for Attack the Backlog, and then Attack the Craplog will be its own thing with its own feed, its own audio feed, and so will Second Runs. It'll be its own thing as well and its own audio feed. Those shows will probably be monthly and again, those are shows that I have no idea when they'll actually um, come out. I'm, I'm not—I don't have a schedule for either of those shows. But um, 
yeah that's the idea going forward when it comes to second runs i don't know how i'm gonna my idea of going through my top 10 whatever or my top games in order and replaying them that way i don't think that's gonna work because I was putting together my list, and after I put together my top 10, I was like, this is too hard. I don't know. I do not know how to rank these things because I'm feeling like, oh, okay, well, 11, 12, 13, maybe it'll just be Metal Gear Solid 3, Metal Gear Solid 2, Metal Gear Solid 5. I don't know what the hell to put in these things. Uh, it, it would t Putting together a list like that requires way more effort than I thought it was going to take, and I'd have to just go through like my entire collection, all the games I own, and just say where do i think this belongs so i'd still like to put that list together but i don't think that's going to be the way second runs works so i'm still not sure what i'm going to do there but you know it's still it's all good that's pretty much it for attack the backlog and all that jazz uh the movie and game based on movie idea is still something I'd like to do but until I can think of a good name for that series there's no way in hell I'm even going to push forward with that idea at all because I need a name before I can even bother doing anything and if I don't have a name then I just don't have I don't have a show I need a name but that's uh, pretty much it so before I end this episode I want to talk about some kooky stuff that happened that I forgot to mention a few episodes ago, but I've been a little bummed by the lack of retro game shows, uh, retro game stores in the Chicago area. There's video games then and now, which is right by me, but I'm not a huge fan of that store, and they're definitely uh, significantly limited now in terms of what they have. Like, if you want a box Sega game, it's pretty much sports games. Um, and then I found out that there's this small chain of stores called The Exchange, and I went to one. I went to the one in Wicker Park, and it made me never want to go there ever again because I asked an employee about the PlayStation TV, if they ever get them in stock or anything. The employee had no idea what the PlayStation TV was and kept mentioning other things that weren't the PlayStation TV. Uh, so that was red flag number one. And then I asked to see a Genesis game in uh, Behind the Glass. And it, uh, when I opened it, had a different game in it. And I don't know how that could have happened. And when I heard the other employees overlooking the... Um, the, uh, the, 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 the when I heard them uh, over talking about the, the, the thing... They said something along the lines of, oh, that, that happened back in October? Oh, so many things happened in October. Could it could be anything. So, yeah. I, I don't have much desire to go back to the exchange any time soon. It made me appreciate video games then and now way more. But uh, that was very frustrating. Because I... Took the time to go all the way out to Wicker Park to go to that one. And it just sucked. It was terrible. But um, other than that, I just wanted to bring that up because I kept forgetting to mention it. And I wanted to bring it up. Other than that, I'm, I'm very curious about 
games on Super Nintendo versus Genesis and how they run because I played Super Girls and Ghosts and Ghouls and Ghosts. Uh, Super Girls and Ghosts, of course, on the Super Nintendo, Ghouls and Ghosts on the Genesis. And sure, the Super Nintendo one looks a bit better. Has some, uh, a bit more going on. The, it has an opening cinematic and it has... Um, like when it shows you the, the overview of the, the map, it's much more zoomed in and looks nicer. However, it doesn't take long for that game to drop frame rate wise. And it drops hard. The slowdown is real and it is terrible. And then I played Ghouls and Ghosts on, on the Genesis and that didn't happen at all. I'm sure it might happen at some point, and it's not that the Genesis is without frame rate drops and stuff like that, but I was playing through a fair amount of Ghouls and Ghosts and didn't have any issues, and I was just like, yeah, maybe the Super Nintendo is more capable of pushing, you know, better colors, more colors, better visuals overall, and all that jazz. But you know what? I don't care, because... The most important thing is how something plays, and it it just played better on the Genesis, and therefore that's the better version. But I'm curious what it's like with other games. I've heard that the the old um, what you might call it, uh, Sunset Riders plays better, though. Like, they are significantly different, and I definitely prefer Sunset Riders on Super Nintendo because it is closer to the the arcade and looks nicer, significantly nicer. And it's just it's like this: the Genesis Sunset Riders, as much as I like it, it can be a real pain in the ass because it is harder because of the way they set things up. So since the there aren't as many areas. They stretch out the areas, and then they change the layout, and you have to deal with this, all these boxes, and it just it feels like the game is saying "f you" all the time. But yeah, I'm I'm really getting a kick out of going back to these older games. Uh, it's just it's a lot of fun. One frustrating thing though that I also mentioned on Twitter is playing a game for the first time, realizing you like it a lot. And then finding out that it regularly goes for 300 plus, and 300 is by far like if you get it for 300, you're you got a good deal. Um, finding out it goes for so much money is really freaking annoying. And the game in question that I'm talking about that brought this up was Ninja 5.0, a Game Boy Advance game that I never heard of until I just was looking up. Hey, what are some good GBA games that? people may not know of or whatever and ninja 50 came out uh, came up and then i tried it i put it on the super nintendo the snes classic and it's really good and it sucks that if i want a physical copy i have to spend a mini fortune to get it which means i'm not going to get it you can get repro cards for it which you know uh, when it comes to repro cards, I would only like I don't like the idea of repro cards personally. I, I'd much rather just do emulation at that point. I'm okay with repro 
manuals and boxes and box arts and all that. Uh, some of them put a cart, but repro cart seems extra iffy, I guess. But um, I am excited to play more Ninja 5.0, and I think that I am going to play that as, depending on how long it takes, it may end up being a regular Attack the Backlog episode, but it could be the first mini episode, so it all depends on how long it ends up taking me. I see it's around that two-hour bubble, so who knows, but I'm going to play that, and, em and it's, all, it's emulated glory, and I'm going to enjoy it because it's a super fun game and I wish it would get re-released in some fashion because it's really good and the fact that you know people aren't able to play it in any legal way sucks and I'm a little heartbroken over that but um yeah Ninja 5.0 is awesome and if you're someone who messes around with emulation it's definitely worth checking out it's very good I mean, I, I only played a smidgen of it, but that smidgen I played was very good. So I think that will do it for this here episode of the Pixelated Sausage Podcast. Once again, I'm your host. Y'all can find me on Twitter. Or I'm your host, Marcus Ness. I was like, huh, what did I say after that? My name, that's what I say. I'm your host, Marcus Ness. Y'all can find me on Twitter and pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. Speaking of Twitter, I finally deleted TweetBot. And just install the regular Twitter app because not getting notifications. It's just like, for me, I'll look at Twitter on desktop, but I don't really just scroll through it on the phone. It's it's more so about getting notifications on the phone. So having TweetBot, as nice as it is, just is pretty much useless at this point. But on Twitter and pretty much everywhere, I am at PX Sausage. This site is, of course, pixelatedsausage.com, where you can find this podcast, the Pixelated Paranormal Podcast, and Attack the Backlog, which are all available on podcast services across the globe, like Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. And if you'd like to check out the video version of this show, you can go over to youtube.com slash pixelatedsausage and check them out there. If you'd like to look at some of the art I make, you can go over to pxsart.com. If you see something you like, click the link, and it'll take you to where you can purchase a print of the piece you fancy. And if you fancy the site in general and anything that we do, please go over to patreon.com slash pxs and support us that way. As always, thank you for watching or listening. I hope you enjoyed this here episode, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Bye.